Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. Friends, thank you for being here tonight. We're glad, I'm glad, I'm so thankful to be able to share with you um, that we are moving to Winnipeg, Shandy and I and the family. And this is, <laughs> give a thumbs down. Um, and then we are, we are on our way there in just a couple weeks. This is my final time with you here um, at the Six. And so I am sad uh, to be here. Well, I'm happy to be here. Sad is my last one here. And um, I will say this. I believe that... There is something special about this ministry. I believe there's something special and significant, may I say strategic, about young people in general. And I think that God, I not even think, I believe God wants to use you to make an impact, not only in this church, but in this city, in this community, um, far, that far surpasses the likes of which anything you ever possibly could have even dreamed of. I, I really do believe that. Every time I've ever had the opportunity to share with you, I, I do it with a little bit of um, nervous trembling in the sense of, wow, Lord, I get to speak here? You have such a great plan for these people. I can be in part, a small part of what it is that you want to do in and through them. Oh God, thank you. So let us start by praying before we jump into anything. Because I really believe God wants to speak to you today. I put a lot of prayer and a lot of thought into what I'm about to share with you. I believe it's a word for 2024 for you. And I don't think it's a mistake that you're here. You can be anywhere in the world. And God who created the heavens and the earth, who knit you together in your mother's womb, he set it up for you to be here tonight. And so the question is, why? And what if, what if, what if we could leave here different than the way that we came in? So would you close your eyes with me for a moment? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you're real. We thank you that you're here. We thank you for your word. And I pray that tonight, Holy Spirit, you would illuminate your word in front of our very eyes. God, that you would speak to us in a new way. God, that you would awaken something inside of us. Father God, that we'd be able to leave here different than the way that we came in. So we give you these next three hours. Just kidding. Um, in your name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bible with you, turn with me to Mark chapter 2. This particular verse, this is one of my favorite stories in the scriptures. As I was praying for my final year, my final week here, I, I, this is the verse that God brought me to. And so if you're in the West Shore this morning, this is what you got. If you come to the 9 and the 11 and the 2 next week, this is what you get. If, uh, if you're here now, this is what you get. Mark 2. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. I'm going to read through the whole thing there, media guy. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. That's odd, but let's continue. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. 
But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what on earth is he saying? Who does he think he is? What is this blasphemy? Only God can, can, can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he said, and so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? It is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or is it easier to say, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority to, on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man, and he said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed, and they praised God exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. And that is my prayer for you. That you'd be in a position where you can say, I've never seen anything like this before. Before rhymes with 24. It's 2024. And my prayer for you is that you will see things that you've never seen before. Let's unpack this scripture together. So when Jesus returned from Capernaum, it says this in verse one. Several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Everybody wanted to hear what was shaken down. This Jesus, this guy who claims to be the Messiah, this guy who claims to be the son of God, this Jesus character, he's healing people. He's doing things in a different manner. The way he functions, the way he sees Christianity, the way he approaches religion is different. There's something about him, and people were curious. Soon, the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was not even any room, none. It even says, even outside the door. So you can picture, there's so many people there, it's not like everybody's sitting in pews like this. They're, 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 they're packed in, they're sitting on the couch, they're on the sofa, people standing on the counter, there's people in the bathroom, people are watching from every angle, so many so, the halls are full, everybody's packed inside there, it's stinky, it's sweaty, it's hot, there's people, the doors are open, people standing outside the front, everybody's listening, pressing in, what is it that Jesus has to say? And that is so cool. I want to say it this way. The secret to church growth isn't programs. The secret to church growth isn't freedom, and freedom is awesome. <laughs> it's not slick presentations. It's not these cool screens. It's none of this. The secret to church growth is Jesus. It's Jesus. He didn't have anything. No sweet Instagram. No internet telling everybody where he's going to be. <laughs> Just word of mouth. And everybody was pressing in and uncomfortably pressing in so they can do whatever they could to hear Jesus. And that is my prayer for you this year. That you would do anything and everything that you can to hear from Jesus. This church is my favorite church in the whole world. But this church cannot save your soul. Only Jesus can. We come to church to learn about Jesus. We come to church to experience Jesus. We come to church to sing about Jesus. We come to church to preach Jesus. We come to church to pray to Jesus. It all boils down to Jesus. And when we forget that, and it is awkwardly and embarrassingly easy to forget that, but when we forget that, Christianity stops making sense. 
So this is what it goes on to say. It says, while he was preaching the word to them, four men showed up. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on the mat. And I want to go out there and say publicly that I believe these four particular men are my favorite characters in the Bible. Because what I love about them, what I appreciate about this story so much is that these four nameless, anonymous characters model the heart of Christianity in its finest. Let me show you how they do it. These four men are anonymous. We as Christians, we love giving away food hampers and then telling you how many people we gave food hampers to. <laughs> we love snapping a quick selfie, ha <laughs> ha, right before we give somebody five bucks on the side of the street. We love pumping our own tires. But it was never meant to be that way. So here are these four men. They're in the Bible. They're mentioned in the Bible, but ain't nobody know who they were. People just know there's four people. It took four guys to lift this guy on a mat. And that's all they saw. That's all they counted. There was just four guys. Who knows who they were? The four men, what I love about them is they work together to help somebody in need. And that's a picture of Christianity. You work together to help people that are in need. I love, what I love about these four men in particular is it says that like, they didn't just come to Jesus for themselves. Like that whole room was filled with people who were coming to hear from Jesus and there's nothing wrong with that. But what's interesting about these four men and what's different about these four men is that they came to Jesus not just for themselves, but they came to Jesus bringing somebody with them. And that is my prayer for you. And that is my prayer for this church. And that is my prayer for us that as we step into this year, we don't just come to church for ourselves, but we find people to bring to Jesus. The scripture continues, verse two, or chapter two, verse 4a. It says, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. Now here is a very interesting piece of the story. You see, it's entirely possible. Like it's, it's reasonably possible for you to be an obstacle for somebody else's encounter to Jesus. There were so many people here pressing into Jesus, so many people in that moment trying to press in to hear what Jesus had to say that other people couldn't make their way in to hear from Jesus. Now, there's no way the people standing there listening for God, listening to God, there's no way they would have thought themselves to be an obstacle. But the reality was they were the barrier stopping this man on the mat from coming to Jesus. Which tells us something interesting. You can be an obstacle to somebody else and not even realize it. You have no idea. To you, you're doing the Christian thing. To do, you're doing the right thing. To do, you're pressing into God and you're doing great things. You're doing nothing wrong. These people were not in sin. They were doing nothing wrong. But they were being an obstacle. It's a fascinating observation. These four men, they were, they were unable to bring the paralyzed man to Jesus. And what's fascinating about this story is they could have settled there, but they didn't. You see, when you're doing something noble, um, don't give up. 
What I've noticed about Christianity, at least I've seen this to be true in my own life, is that when I'm, when I'm listening to Jesus and doing what he says, when, when opposition arises or, or an obstacle comes in front of me, sometimes I take that as a sign to change course. Like, oh, oh yeah, man, I'll, I'll pick you up. I'll drive you to church. You bet, you bet, absolutely. And the day comes, you slept in, you're tired, you got other things going on. It's like, you know what, man, can I, 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 I'll take you next week. He didn't sin. He didn't do anything wrong. There's nothing bad that happened there. But you missed an opportunity. And so here's these four guys. They see the crowd. And they're like, no, there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way to bring this man to Jesus. So they do something extraordinarily peculiar. One of them gets the bright idea. He says, guys, if we can't go in through the door, let's go in through the roof. <laughs> let's just do it. Let's do it. Like, nah, stupid. No, no, no. I don't think that's a good idea. Let's do it. Come on, come on, come on. So, so, so they pick this guy up and, and, they, and they lift this man up onto the roof. And their plan is to, as the Bible says in verse four, so they dug a hole in the roof above Jesus's head. And I know it wouldn't have happened this way, but I can't help but picture like a classic metal saw going. People are all pressing in, listening to Jesus. All of a sudden, sawdust starts to fall from the sky. People are trying to listen to Jesus and pay attention, but, but little pieces of straw start falling down. Jesus still keeps preaching, and they're like looking up. They're trying to engage and look at Jesus. It would have been so weird. It would have been so awkward. But the four men, what I love about this story is they did whatever they could to get that man on the mat to Jesus. There was an element of urgency, an element of, I cannot miss this moment. I don't care what I look like. I don't care what happens. I don't care about the repercussions. I need to get my friend to Jesus and I'm gonna do whatever it is that I can. So they, so they caught a hole in the roof and they begin to lower the man down. It says in verse four, it says, then they lowered the man on a mat right down in front of Jesus. Again, talk about an interesting church service. Mid-sermon, Jesus is speaking. Everybody's watching just like this. All of a sudden, and slowly, a paralyzed man on a mat gets lowered down in front of everybody. And everybody's just watching they look up, they see four heads up there, <laughs> looking down, these little ropes coming down. This man gets on the mat, he's paralyzed, he's right there. Everybody's looking, trying to figure out what on earth do we do about this? This moment would have been absolutely unforgettable. What I love about these guys is these gentlemen, these people, they took a risk that day. And what I love most about this story is that this story is about four men taking a risk and doing something unprecedented in order to help a vulnerable person encounter Jesus. 
And I'll tell you right now, we need a lot more Christians like that. We worry about ourselves. Well, who's worrying about the vulnerable? Who's worrying about the, 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 those who don't have a voice? Who's standing up for those who can't stand up for themselves? And as I've been praying lately, what I feel the Lord's been speaking to me is that the next move of God that we experience will come on the heels of this type of radical Christian living. As we as individuals, we, we, as, we as Christians, as we as, as we as the church begin to hyper-focus on reaching the vulnerable around us, I believe that we will see God do things that we never thought even possible. In verse five, it says these words, it says, seeing their faith, right? This is interesting. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, not seeing the faith of everybody who gathered to speak, not seeing the faith of the paralyzed man on the floor, seeing the faith of the four heads popping out of the hole in the ceiling. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. What? You hear that, church? It is possible that your faith can influence somebody else's life. This man would not have had an opportunity to come to Jesus if it weren't for these four knuckleheads up top. These hooligans who decided they were going to do everything they can to put this man in front of Jesus. And Jesus, as a response to their faith, not even his faith, said, you know what, everybody? This is going to be a teaching moment. And the first thing out of Jesus' mouth is not, how dare you interrupt my sermon? The first thing out of his mouth, son, your sins are forgiven because of those guys' faith. And the whole room would have been silent. Except for maybe the guy who owned the house who was like, what the heck, man? <laughs> that was a funny one. That was so funny, I forgot where I was. <laughs> you don't need, you don't need Coastline Church to tell you how to reach your neighbor. Organized programs and strategies are helpful. Like there's nothing wrong with systems. Like God created the human body. We have a skeletal, skeletal system. We have a nervous system. We've got, we've got a muscular system, I think. I don't know. We've got systems, right? <laughs> like systems aren't anti-God. But I need you to hear me clearly. There is no substitute for a person's personal, radical faith in Jesus. That is how we change the world. That is how we change the city. Mark 2, verse 6. The awkwardness of this moment, this guy is like, I, I forgive you because of them. People are sitting there like, what? It says, but some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, 
So they didn't go up and be like, whoa, ho, 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 what is he saying, Bartholomew? Can you believe what he is saying? What blasphemy, ha, 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 ha. Only God can forgive sins, don't you know that? I'm a religious teacher, so I talk like this, naturally. They didn't say anything. They just started thinking these thoughts. And that, that kind of comes with a little bit of a warning tonight. Be, be careful to not be quick to judge when you see God doing something new. You see, these teachers of religious law, they weren't villains. And every time we preach stories like this, we make Pharisees seem like evil, evil, sinister people. But these, these religious leaders, they were a lot like you and me in a sense. People of flesh and blood, people trying to do their best to be the best person they can be. And when you and I and them, when we get too rigid with our customs, practices, beliefs, we can miss out on what God is doing right in front of us. I love this next line, verse eight. It says, Jesus knew immediately. It's like he can read their minds. So Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, and this would have been so awkward and awesome. He asked them just straight up. I'm, I, oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Why, why do you question this in your hearts? And everybody in that moment would have been like, whoa, 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 whoa. He, can read our, he can read our minds. <laughs> Jesus is a mind reader. This is a, this is a powerful insight into the nature of God. Because not only does Jesus know your thoughts, but he also sees what's happening in your heart. And this is why I believe tonight is so important for each of us. As we step into this new season, as we step into 2024, what next step are you going to take this year to get closer to Jesus? What's that going to look like? Maybe it's a small group. Maybe it's leading a small group. Maybe it's joining team. What, what, what practical next step are you willing to take? Because Paul, in a completely different Bible story, in a completely different book, the Apostle Paul says something very interesting in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. And this is what he said. This is one of the most sobering verses you're going to find in this book here. He says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Don't just pretend to do this whole Christian thing. There's no, there's no such thing as kind of, sort of, slightly Christian-ish. There's no such thing as I'm a Christian on Sunday nights at six and on Monday nights, we gonna get crazy. Like it's not supposed to work like that. So, so, so Paul's like, listen, yo, listen, please pay attention to this. Don't just pretend to love others. Like don't, don't say you're gonna pray for them. Don't, don't, don't just agree and say amen at the church service on Sunday night. Like actually really love people. He says, hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. We live in a culture that tries to, tries to hold tightly, hold tightly to what is wrong 
just to the point where we can not be in sin. <laughs> and, and if we can blur that line, we're like, ah, oh, it's blurry, ah, it's probably fine. <laughs> but here Paul's like, no, 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 guys, 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 listen. Don't pretend to love people, actually love them. <laughs> Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Why? Because God knows what you think about. God knows what's going on inside of your heart. You can trick your girlfriend into thinking you're more spiritual than you are. You can trick your parents into thinking you're more spiritual than you are. You can, you can trick yourself into thinking you're more spiritual than you are. But we can't trick God. And some of you, you may have been living a trick life. You're so deep in this performance, Christianity, and your heart of hearts, there's something missing. And this is what Jesus is getting at. Next, Jesus, back to our story, he, he stirs the pot in the best kind of way. This is why I love Jesus. The guy is hilarious. In, 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 in verse nine, he, he, he looks out at everybody in this room, okay? And he's looking at everybody in the room. He, he just says to them, listen, guys, 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 come on, come on, guys. I know what you're thinking. I'm sorry. Why do you question this in your hearts? And his next line, his opener, is it easier, guys? Is it easier for me to say to a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or how about this? How about I say, stand up, pick up your mat, and, and, and walk out of here? <laughs> so I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And just absolutely exhausted by these people's disbelief. Jesus flexes pretty hard right in front of everybody. And he creates the, the, the sermon illustration of sermon illustrations. He looks at this man. You want to see that I am God? You want to see that I actually have the power to forgive sins? This paralyzed man that you all saw was lowered down right in front of you, right for this moment. It says in verse 10, Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and says, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And this next act is, is easier said than done. <laughs> because I can't help but picture this story from the paralyzed man's perspective. Because this moment would have actually been a little bit terrifying. In this moment, the, the paralyzed man had to choose in front of everybody, do I risk embarrassment? Do I risk failure? Do I risk looking stupid? Or do I listen to Jesus and do what he says? Even though it seems impossible 
And so with a, with a heavy heart and, and in the middle of the tension that is all around this very public moment, this man takes a risk. And the Bible says that he jumps up. He doesn't do this like a little like feeble, like just a little bit stand. The guy jumps up. He grabbed his mat, verse 12, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. Everybody's like, ah, 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 ah. what? Shocked. So they were amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. And friends, that is the Jesus who we serve. That is the Jesus we sing to. That's the Jesus this book is about. So I want to close with this. I believe as we step into 2024, that these three commands from Jesus are linked to your own spiritual breakthrough. If you're a note taker, this is what I want you to write down. In order to step into what God wants for you, I believe that number one, it's time for you to stand up. No more, no more, no more sitting on the sidelines. No more watching God move through other people's lives. What's God calling you to do? There's some of you in this room where you know that you know that you know that you're supposed to go into the mission field. And you don't. Because this is comfortable, this is what you understand, this is what, this is what pays the bills, but you know in your heart of hearts that God is saying, it's time to go. If some of you in this room that you know you're supposed to start a small group or even join a small group, or you know that the relationship you're in is a bad one, you're not thinking straight, you're not honoring God, she's... He's Mr. Right now, not Mr. Right. So who's God calling you to reach? Stand up. This year, it's time to stand up. Number two. Number two. It's time to pick up your mat. And your mat in so many ways represents your testimony and your story. It rep represents what God has done in your life. It's your testimony. It's a, it's, a, it's a picture, a tangible, practical picture to the world that Jesus is real. And my encouragement to you is that you no longer be silent. You need to share with people the good things that God has done in your life. Our culture needs to see miracles. Our culture needs to know that God can still do the impossible. People, look at it this way. People need to see what Jesus has done in your life so they can see what God can do in their life. You're actually a part of other people's story. It's not just about you. God has placed you here for such a time as this so that he can glorify himself through your obedience. 
The final one is this. I believe Jesus is saying it's time to go home. It's time to show those closest to you how Jesus has transformed you. If there's people in your school that you're close with, in your university, classmates, you're close with them, and they have no idea that you're a Christian, you're missing an incredibly valuable opportunity. If there's people in your workplace who have no idea, especially based off the way you talk, the decisions you make, the way you handle yourself at work, they got no clue that Jesus is the Lord of your life, you're doing something wrong. Because <laughs> Jesus isn't meant to be a little tack-on, a little add-on to who we are. We need more Christ-like students, Christ-like workers, Christ-like boyfriends and girlfriends. We need more Christ-like moms and dads, and more Christ-like grandparents, more Christ-like employees, more Christ-like baristas. Like, we need to show the world that Jesus doesn't just live in church, that we are the church. That's how we change this community. So would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes for a moment? I want to pray two prayers tonight. The first prayer, you know, if, if, if 2023 was rocky for you and you'd like to leave here knowing that you have a relationship with Jesus, maybe this is a relationship you want to start or maybe this is a relationship you need to restart because you flubbed it this year. <laughs> you don't need to walk in guilt or shame anymore. But tonight, as, as Brent explained with communion, Jesus died on a cross for you. And if you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, now is your opportunity. So if I'm speaking to anybody in this room, could you slip your hand up real quick? I'd love to pray for you. Where you want to restart, or maybe start for the first time your relationship with God. Yeah, there's hands everywhere. This is awesome. If you raised your hand, I want you to pray with me. If you didn't raise your hand, pray with me too because this is a real helpful prayer for all of us. Dear Jesus, thank you that you're real. <laughs> thank you that you're here and thank you for what you're doing in this service tonight. God, right off the top, I want to say sorry. Sorry for the things that I've done that have hurt others, the things I've done that have hurt you, the things I've done that have hurt myself. Thank you that you're real. Thank you that, that you came to earth and died on a cross so that you can create a new way for me to have new life. Would you please come inside my heart, Lord God? Would you please show me what it looks like to be a Christian in 2024? Would you please be my Lord and Savior? Would you, would you even show me what that even means, God? Because I want to serve you. In your name we pray, amen. The second prayer goes like this. As we step into this new year, if you'd be willing, if you'd be willing to step out this year and be like those four men in this story, the four guys who, who lowered the man on the mat, 
if you'd be willing to look out for those who are vulnerable, create pathways for people who are far from God to have access to God, if you're willing to take some risks, to commit to standing up for those who don't have a voice, can I invite you to stand with me? I'd love to pray for you. I see this moment as a prayer of, of commissioning. In so many ways, this is, a, this is mine and Shandy's heartbeat in so many ways. How can we love those who are far from God? Because I'll tell you this much, I am the last person I ever thought would ever become a Christian. And if God can save me, he can save anybody. And I believe God wants to use you to do things that you never even thought were possible. So would you put your hands like this with me? And I would like to pray for you. Jesus, you see every hand represented in this room. You see every story represented in this room. You see every man and woman of God, every trendsetter, pioneer, maverick, every leader in this room. Jesus, in you we have life. Help us, God, to shine bright in the darkness. Help us, God, to be men and women who are, who are passionate for you, who, who are led by your spirit, who are, who are not afraid to speak up when, when justice needs to be served. God, would you, would you stir in our hearts something fresh this year? God, would you help us to see people the way you see people? Would you help us to see ourselves the way you see us? Jesus, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for what you're doing. And we thank you for the lives who are going to be impacted as a result of the people standing in this room. We praise you, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. And everybody said, amen. 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 